0: you are sitting now. Hi there, welcome to episode 40 of Sitting Now, the show for the site sittingnow.co.uk. This is going to be a bit of a short intro and outro today because I have got a great deal to say and because I have no co-host. But we will talk a little bit about uh, Kim, who I do Behind Closed Doors with, uh, he's just launched a new website, uh, daddytank.co.uk, that's daddytank, daddytan co.uk, which is a record label um and he's releasing some pretty cool stuff on there and you should check it out um go buy the record it's not very really expensive and you get lots of nice goodies if you get the limited edition one but definitely give it a check check it out rather <laughs> and uh yeah and let's uh, play some adverts eerie radio opening the door to the unknown listener feedback really looking forward to the new episodes so keep up with
1: your work guys
0: thanks Interviews.
1: There's so many movies, so many documentaries, even books that come out that have factual information in it that maybe, you know, this is a gradual way of, of kind of educating the public as to what's going on. Visit Erie
0: Radio at www.eerieradio.com What's better than shooting the shit about the occult? Shooting with us, of course. I'm Ava Yell, tender loving co-host of Outer Symmetry. If you're looking for a podcast that covers everything from Lady Gaga to the Montauk Monster, you're in the right place. Myself and my husband, Adamus, pull you down the rabbit hole with us twice a month to keep you informed and up to date on all the topics you want to know about. So sit down, tune in, and fade out. Subscribe to Outer Symmetry today. Okay, so for this show, we've gone for something a little bit different to the usual uh, countercultural, cultural uh, uh, a cultural, I don't know what you call them, um, savant. <laughs> um, and instead, we've gone for a private investigator from New York called Steve Rambam. Uh, now, Steve's actually quite friendly with the hacker community, uh, which is where I heard about him. Um, he did a brilliant talk called, uh, something like Privacy's Dead, Get Over It, or The End of Privacy, Get Over It, something like that. Um, But, yeah, so what we're talking about, surprisingly, is uh, privacy and how, basically, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) If you interacted in any way with the internet, you've basically signed away your privacy. And it's, I think, you know, it's still basically along the lines of what we normally talk about. But it's just a bit more, maybe slightly more technology-based this week and a bit more more of a a warning to those out there who think they're safe online. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, uh, we'll see you sooner again, I hope. I've had to basically... Uh, nurse a very ill cat, and uh, that doesn't sound like much, but it's very stressful. (laughs) So we'll be back soon, and I'll talk to you after the interview. Okay, have a good one. Steve Rambam thanks so much for uh, coming on the show and giving us some of your time I really appreciate it. Um, my, my pleasure. Um, I was wondering if you could give us kind of a uh, brief uh, biography of yourself please. Well
1: I'm a uh, private investigator I'm licensed in a number of locations I'm the owner of Polarium uh, which is an investigative agency with offices in New York and Texas and uh, licenses in a number of other locations Uh, I've been doing this sort of thing for a little more than a quarter of a century. Uh, I personally specialize in missing persons cases and in multi-jurisdictional cases, which basically uh, means international investigations. And In addition to all of that, I have a uh, very strong presence, I think, in the online and hacker communities. We own PeopleFinder.net. We own identity check. Uh, We own check my identity. Uh, We do quite a bit of uh, lecturing uh, in the hacker community and the law enforcement community, and uh, I gather that's where you ran across my name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how
0: did that actually end up happening? How did you get involved with the hacker community?
1: Well, I've actually I've spoken at every single Hope conference going back for the past, I guess it's eighteen years. You know, first of all, they're they're just terrific guys and girls. Um, they are intelligent, they are inquisitive, they are a pleasure to talk to. They're a pleasure to be around. You know, they're not the uh, the stereotypical nerds wearing heavy black glasses and you know carrying pocket protectors. They're they're typically pretty pretty sharp, pretty remarkable people. And and frankly, there's a lot. In common between the hacker community and the law enforcement community, we both uh, have as our ultimate goal finding out about uh, things. The more the more concealed the information, the more we want to find it. And uh, we both very strongly believe that uh, information should not be should not be frozen. It should not be locked up for the privileged few. That that a real democracy has open information where people can find out about things and make informed decisions and and not have to be uh, among the numb and the dumb relying on, uh, you know, just a few informed people for for guidance and information.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, going back a little bit, how did you get into private investigation? And actually, what is, I mean, for people that don't actually really know, what is a private investigator or a private detective? Is there a difference uh...
1: I, it's it's two terms for the exact same uh, job for the exact same individual um private investigator is more popular today because it's more professional it doesn't imply you know a gumshoe lurking in a in a doorway uh, following someone's wife it's a it's more of a profession and and today by the way it is very much a profession your typical private investigator is not going to be some knuckle-dragging ex-patrol cop. He's going to be typically someone with a college education or a higher degree. Uh, Many uh, attorneys run private investigative agencies. They call themselves investigative consultants or investigative attorneys. You have to have a very strong grounding in the law, constantly updated law. You have to have a very strong grounding in technical skills, uh it, it's it's it is today not a job it's a profession
2: hmm.
0: yeah because i remember uh, when i was younger i always used to want to get, kind of get into private in <laughs> being a private detective or being in private investigator and i just could never i could never find any information but this was kind of pre-internet i suppose but
2: well, how, how
0: old are you i'm 32
1: well it's definitely not too late you are within the typical age range for entry into this profession, 25 to 35.
0: I have a master's in criminology as well, so I don't know if that
1: helps. (laughs) It helps enormously. Uh, You know, one of the big questions for a private investigator is presentation of evidence.
2: Hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, in two areas. First of all, you have to be able to write an intelligent, readable competent comprehensive report which if you've done a master's thesis you certainly know how to do yeah. and and second of all you have to have credibility when you're testifying in court or making a presentation and, and you know a higher education degree is a big help. Oh, yeah. uh, you know you should not necessarily throw that uh, dream away. I don't know what you're doing now or how successful you are at it but I would really urge you to consider that, and frankly, um, uh, I'd be glad to help you after this broadcast if you'd like to talk for a minute or two. I can direct you to some people in the UK.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's something we can definitely chat about. Yeah, don't don't
1: don't give up on that. I mean, you don't have a criminal record, do you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Would you would you survive a background exam?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've only ever had a caution. <laughs> would, would you survive a good background exam? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay,
1: well, then, then we should talk after this interview.
0: <laughs> okay, definitely. Okay, so I think what we wanted to talk to about today really was kind of um, go over some of the things that I've heard you talk about before, but in, in I guess in a more of a interview setting in this case. And uh, the kind of main topics I really want to talk to you about are kind of the advancement of technology over the last few years and how that's affected privacy. And then look at some of the kind of um, components of that, so like social networking, Google, and uh, smartphones. And I think these are all kind of three quite big big, uh, elements of that. So how would you say, I
1: mean... In in addition to those, I would add artificial intelligence, and I would add cameras and the ability to, to... Automatically interpret what a camera sees. Mm. What's called analytics.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's start. uh, I mean, let's start off by looking at kind of technology over the last, say, decade or so, maybe even more than that. I mean, how how has it changed from a private investigator's point of view? How has it changed?
1: Well, it's it's frankly night and day. It's the difference between the Flintstones and Star Wars. (laughs) Um, You know, the main things that have changed on a technical level, of course, have been. Storage space is is incredibly cheap now. You can go to your local uh, Staples and buy a two terabyte drive for a couple hundred bucks. Mm. When I started out with computers, a ten megabyte drive was two to three thousand dollars. And in case somebody thinks I'm misstating, I'll say that again: a ten megabyte drive uh, was two to three thousand dollars. The the amount of storage just on a little memory stick that goes in your pocket today, was unthinkable when I started out. Mm. Uh, Processing speed is extraordinary. Um, You have the the ability of a Google to keep, and this is literally true, the entire Internet in RAM, Mm. not even in storage, in RAM. Um, The main thing that's changed, however, has nothing to do with, with technology, which has, of course, jumped light years ahead, the main thing that's changed are attitudes towards information and privacy. The vast majority of the privacy-invading uh, critical information out there is self-contributed. Things like Facebook, to a lesser extent MySpace, Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, uh, various private websites, blogs, uh, email, use of all the Google products that are designed in large part to suck information out of you, Uh, indexing of your Gmail, uh, geotagging on your photos that go up on Picasa, Uh, and not only self-contribution of data, but the fact that once you contribute that data, it never goes away.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, every stupid blog post, every late night drunken Twitter feed, every stupid photo that you posted while you were in Cancun with a half-naked girl in one arm and a, and a, and a large beer bong in the other, that stuff is there forever. You mm. cannot make it go away. Yeah, I mean, one of the, we've oh, kind of brought them up
0: already, but the the um, the first real exemplar of that, I'd say, would be sort of the rise of social networking over the last, say, like five to six years. Um, I mean, there's some quite scary stuff. Could you talk a little bit about kind of, uh, like, say, for example, MySpace profiles and Facebook profiles and like how this stuff just doesn't go away?
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's
1: interesting. The when When I started out as an investigator, there were two holy grails. Of, of private investigation getting a photograph of the person and finding out where they physically are uh, at at least one point in time but ideally on an ongoing basis I can get these two things sitting in my box of shorts in front of the computer today everybody has a photograph on the on the web mm-hmm. and Almost everyone in one way or another is constantly broadcasting their location, whether it's from IP address uh, uh, reversing or uh, geotagging or things like Foursquare or, or the, new, the new Facebook places or anything like that. I know where you are on a regular basis. It's, it's truly remarkable.
0: Yeah, and it's completely so. Self- it's people kind of give it out themselves, don't they? It's not kind of like forced upon them <laughs> right. anyway.
1: And the other thing is, what people don't realize is the picture that I can gather of you by aggregation of data. You know, you may think, okay, where I was on Thursday isn't important, and my photo isn't important, and uh, the fact that uh, I smoke pot uh, isn't important and who my friends are isn't important, and where I've worked isn't important. That's true. Each of these individual things are fairly innocuous. But with the Internet today, uh, a trained monkey can aggregate all this information together and produce a complete and comprehensive and frighteningly accurate picture of you. And I've got to tell you, a big part of it, by the way, is who your friends are. Mm. You know, who watches your Twitter feeds and whose Twitter feeds you follow? Who's friended you on Facebook? Uh, who has checked into locations on Foursquare the same time you have? You are incredibly accurately defined by who your friends are. Mm. If you're hanging around with a bunch of left-wing, pot-smoking uh, bisexuals, you are, you know, excuse me if you are, uh, you are most likely a left-wing, pot-smoking bisexual. Mm. If you are hanging around with a bunch of fire-breathing, gun-owning, Tea Party Republicans, you are almost certainly a fire-breathing, gun-owning, Tea Party Republican. It's just the way it is. You you typically hang around with people who have similar characteristics, and that's why it's so important to to the marketers and the data aggregators to have all of these various methods of knowing who your friends are.
0: With, uh, I mean, obviously, recently with Facebook, we've had um, privacy concerns in the, in the, you know, in the mainstream media. Um, do you think the average Joe on the street realizes quite
1: how open their data actually is? Uh, A, they don't know, and B, they have no idea how much contempt... Google and Facebook have for your privacy. Hmm. Um, you know, let's take Facebook, let's take Facebook places. Mm-hmm. They don't have a, a feature to turn it off. You have two choices, yes or not yet.
2: Hmm.
1: Think about that. <laughs> um, Google, let's look at some of the things that Google has done with data.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they drive down the street taking pictures of people's faces. And, and taking pictures of people's homes, whether or not it's on a private street or not. And they only undo that or, or partially mitigate it when they're either sued, in the case of the United States, or legislated, in the case of the UK. Uh, Google will take someone's blood and sweat and tears in the form of a novel or a nonfiction book and they will scan the whole damn thing and put it up on Google Books, whether you like it or not. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: uh, they will they will take registered trademarks and company names and sell them as ad words and say, Tough, you can't do a damn thing about it. Yeah.
0: They have like contempt uh, they, for copyright.
1: These, these are two companies that have absolute contempt for the private individual and private privacy rights and information rights uh the the most cursory investigation of their business practices will determine that yeah i mean four squares
0: another example i mean that just seems i mean twitter seemed strange to me i've got to admit and facebook facebook i can kind of see why because it, it kind of at least feels like a closed garden a walled garden rather but um, well, for... <laughs> not, not remotely. Uh, have you ever turned down a friend request? Um, yes, I do actually. <laughs> I'm quite. Well, uh...
1: Then you are then you are in the great great minority. <laughs> uh, most people just automatically clip, uh, click on approve for friend requests. Mm. Um, you know, mainly because they want to say, "Hey, I've got fifteen hundred friends on on Facebook." Yeah. I mean, yeah. These people are morons. do you really think you have fifteen hundred friends?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not I mean I mean Twitter you know reporting basically where you are every fifteen minutes is it seems insane to me.
1: right, but. right. Now, you know there are some logical uh uh bases for something like Twitter you can't constantly be in communication with everyone. So you say, well, if people really want to hook up with me or people really want to know where I am, they can follow my Twitter feed and it saves me a whole lot of energy. Mm. And plus, you know, it saves me minutes on the cell phone and constantly responding to emails and all of that. Now, there is some logic to that. Mm -hmm. It, it, It also is of great convenience to private investigators. So on behalf of... All private investigators, everyone with Twitter feeds, thank you for making my job easier. Foursquare I don't get. No. You know, checking in 500 times to a location so you can be the mayor? I mean, are you a 12-year-old moron? Cut it out. (laughs) I mean, what, what is the significance of that? It doesn't even seem like something that's entertaining. Do you really think you own the quad at the college because you have more check ins? Trust me, the dean will come out and kick you in the behind. <laughs> I mean it's 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 just Foursquare is ridiculous and an insult to intelligence mm. and yet it's wonderfully successful. So I'm not sure what that says.
0: <laughs> I mean I've got to admit I did try out Foursquare, um, for a little while and then actually I saw I don't know if you've ever heard of them, there's a group called the Phone Losers of America. Uh, oh, no no i haven't heard of that but it 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 seems appropriate yeah i think they talk at hope sometimes as well but they uh basically um they decided to, to use it as just a tool for uh, phones pranking people and it was it i listened to these calls and i just thought oh my god this is the most insane thing like people tracking themselves you know it's just, oh, <laughs> absolutely and i
1: ha- and i have to tell you as an investigator i've absolutely you know, lost people on surveillance and just gone to their Twitter feed or their Foursquare and and and, and pick them up again. Yeah. And and I tell you frankly that there are products today, for example, there's an incredible product that was developed by a spook friend of mine in Israel called Rabbi, uh, R A A B I that I talk about all the time, that allows me to, to surveil you and follow you and find out who your friends are and what you're doing and who your associates are and what your personal characteristics are just by tracking your cell phone. All right. So how does that actually work then? <laughs> oh, <Interesting>. hey, <laughs> think, think about it. You know, a cell phone is a little snitch in your pocket. And by the way, there's a Newsweek article by that name. And that weasel who wrote it stole it from my, from my Hope Talk. He was actually at my Hope Talk and right, stole right. it. Uh, so I don't want you to think I'm stealing it from Newsweek. But the, the the cell phone really is a little snitch in your pocket. Think about it. First of all, it tells me who you consider important, hmm. who you talk to, how often you talk to them, what hours of the day and night you talk to them, and for how long. If you talk to, to some female every night for about an hour, uh, she's either your mom or your girlfriend, probably, or somebody you want to be your girlfriend. Not, not hard to figure that out. Um, if your cell phone is in a drinking establishment every night, you're probably a pretty good drinker. Uh, if uh, your cell phone is in a strip club every night, if your, strip, if your phone is in a bookstore every day for an hour, your cell phone will tell me where you hang out, where you work, where you live, who your friends are, what's important to you, uh, where you are on a regular basis, and it will allow me to follow you within 10 to 100 yards of your location, everywhere on the planet, just about, unless you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Hmm. So, so the, the cell phone is an enormous game changer. And something that hits your cell phone and simultaneously hits the local cell phone towers tells me everything I need to know about you just about.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, if I know that you are sitting in a restaurant and sitting within 5 to 10 yards of you are person A, person B, and person C, and they have been within close distance of your cell phone before, um, I know these people are your personal friends. Actually, I want to talk to you a bit later
0: about cell phones in a bit more detail. Um, Well, frankly, cell phones are a
1: show in themselves. (laughs) There's just so much to discuss about cell phones, so much to discuss about cell phone hacking cell phone tracking uh analysis of cell phone data there, there is no investigation done by private or public law enforcement today that does not involve your cell phone yeah. period
0: <laughs> definitely i mean right, so before we do get to cell phones there's one thing i do want to talk to you about and I, I really liked your kind of analogy of it but, uh, you refer to google a lot of the time as skynet uh, and obviously, that's a reference well, to... It's,
1: it's today, it's Skynet on steroids. I called it Skynet in 2006. Mm. Today, it's beyond Skynet's wildest erotic
0: dream. Mm. So, I mean, uh, uh, the best, I guess the best way to look at it is to first look at the kind of the services that Google offer, and maybe some of the things that people don't necessarily consider when they look at those services, you know, for example, Gmail being scammed by bots, etc. Uh, right. So, I mean, if we could have a, maybe go through some of them, I'd love to do that. Um, so, for example, yeah, Gmail. Well, what <laughs> you have
1: to understand is Google... Imagine, the, you know, a pair of balancing scales. What you have to understand is Google is the poster child for convenience versus privacy. If you get something that is unbelievably convenient and unbelievably free on the Internet, you have to understand what you're giving up. For, for, for the equivalent level you are giving up your privacy.
2: Hmm.
1: As, as convenience and lack of cost goes up, privacy goes down. Hmm. Gmail. Gmail tells me where you are from your login. It tells me your cell phone, because typically, most people these days, most, most technologically adept people, are mailing from their smartphone. So it tells me where you are. It tells me your cell phone. It tells me what you consider important. It tells me what you're writing about. It tells me who you're writing to. Basically, it tells me your friends, your family, your interests, your physical location, and your daily activities. Mm. That's just Gmail. Mm. Now, let's, let's, let's pair that with Google Web. Google Web tells me, again, where you are, what your interests are, what you're thinking about. In other words, if you are Googling kidney cancer or kidney cancer cures, either you or somebody you care about has kidney cancer. If you are going in and trying to locate a Google map for a restaurant, you are going to eat at that restaurant. Mm. Um, and because I'm Google, I know everything about that restaurant. I know if it's young people, old people, hip people, square people, you know, Indian food, Chinese food, whatever. Uh Um, If you are using Google Groups or Google RSS feeds, I know what your interests are. I know what your politics are. I know if you care about religion and what religion it is you care about. I know uh, whether you are interested in technology, whether you're interested in knitting, whether you're interested in leather crafting. I could go on and on for the next hour. I know everything about your personal interests. Uh, Google Voice, oh my gosh. I know who you're talking to and I know what you're saying. Hmm. Have you you wondered why Google has, in the United States, Google 411, you know, free information or Google Voice dialing or Google Voice searching? Hmm. It's because they're using you times a million people or times actually 50 million people, as beta testers for voice recognition software and perfecting that software. And the reason for that is you have Google Voice. I know what you're saying, what people are saying to you, what your voice messages are. You know, your voice messages popping up in text or popping up in email, think about what that means in terms of Google's ability to monitor your phone calls, and monitor your voice messages. Not only do I know what you're emailing back and forth about, I know what you're talking back and forth about. Mm -hmm. Now, let's just take these few things, and, and obviously there's 40 other Google things that gather more and more and more information about you. Google Goggles is a perfect example. Android. Android is a game changer. If you have an Android phone, Think about just the syncing on that phone. Hmm. If I want to sync my desktop calendar, my desktop contacts, and my desktop email with that phone, I have to send all of that information to Google, and then they're kind enough to give it back to me on my phone. You have delivered to Google every email address, every phone number, every address, every name of everybody you do business with or give a damn about. In one fell swoop. Google instantly, the minute you sync your phone, knows everything there is to know about your most intimate private life.
0: Yeah.
1: I I mean, it's (laughs) ridiculous. And and if you call an abortion clinic, let's say you're a young female. Hmm. And one day you call an abortion clinic, you call a guy, you call an abortion clinic, you call the same guy. You physically go with your phone to that abortion clinic, and then you physically go with your phone to a counseling center. What do I now know about you? I know you got, if you'll excuse the colloquialism, knocked up Mm -hmm. by that guy. You went and you got an abortion, and now you're getting counseling. That's all from your cell phone. Mm. That may be a dramatic example, but it's not an unreasonable example. It's a very accurate, matter-of-fact sort of thing that guys like me and guys much more sinister than me routinely discern every day by analysis of your cell phone activity. Now, imagine I have access, direct Android access to your cell phone, your email, your browsing your Google goggling, your group uh, surfing, your blog, all of that, and I have access to that for the past five years, and I aggregate all that data.
0: Mm, You've got quite a good picture. of. Is there a
1: single living human being, including your mother, your wife, your psychiatrist, who actually knows more about you than I do? No, that's yeah. It's quite quite scary. (laughs) Do you want that little weasel Sergey Brin, or that big weasel, that horrible weasel that owns Facebook? I consider him like Voldemort. I'm not even going to say his name. Mm. He is he who shall not be named. (laughs) Do you do you want these two creeps, these two young punks, to know that about you, you and everybody you care about and love? Well, eh, too late.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's quite scary when you put it that way, actually. No, by the way, yeah. I'm
1: not a privacy nut. I make my living mm. on on use of these tools. Mm. And I do believe that there is enormous value and enormous desirability in public records and openness. I just think some of the stuff that people put up, they're idiots. Mm. I should not know your sexual orientation. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You can be a proud gay activist. God bless you. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. I should not know that you are a drug user. You should not have a screen name with four two zero in it. <laughs> uh, I should not know that you are, uh, you know, involved in bestiality, which some, which I've seen actual. Personal web pages is discussing really? amazingly wow <laughs> um, <laughs> I you know I, I put up if you've seen if you've seen my uh, my my hope speech up on Google Video, you know privacy is dead, get over it. I put up on the screen a seventeen year old girl uh I forget what her web page title it is i'm a big slut, and I love sucking you know insert the the word yourself but if that is actually her screen name mm. i'm a big slut and i love sucking blank and she's 17 years old with a picture up there
2: mm.
1: that will follow her for the rest of her slutty sucking life <laughs> do you want this girl as your babysitter do you want this girl 10 years from now as your attorney do you want this girl 30 years from now as your senator or your mp I mean, come on, she's destroyed her life.
0: How easy would you say it is, though, for the average person to be able to get hold of that information, you know, like later down the line kind of thing? Is this something that, say?
1: Well, pretty easy for the average person, push of a button for me. <laughs> and, and quite often the average person hires me. <laughs> so, so I think that's your answer in a roundabout way. So I mean,
0: I know that Google tends to cache a lot of stuff and obviously we get things like archive.org and things like that. Yes,
1: and there's a wonderful device in the legal system called a subpoena. (laughs) And I am involved in no case where there's subpoena power where I don't hand the attorney on my side a list of subpoena addresses and what to request. Mm. Everything that Google has on you they give to us, whether they like it or not. They fight, they yell, they scream, tough tooties. They turn it over. Google, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, everywhere. If we can identify anything that you use, we grab it. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: I mean one and, and, and by the way, and by the way, we can get anywhere from from a third to ninety percent of that information, even before the subpoena. Mm. Yeah,
0: just for aggrega- aggregation and, and date storage, I imagine.
1: Well, and, and do, you, do you imagine that PeopleFinder.net, the entity that I own, doesn't suck this down on a regular basis also?
2: <laughs> and,
1: and, and quite often, a lot of my friends and colleagues in the hacker community grab it legally. I mean, 100 million out of the 500 million Facebook pages were spidered by one guy who was kind enough to put up a, uh, a, uh, um, a uh, torrent of it.
0: Yeah, and didn't, there's another site, isn't there, where um you can kind of test how private your uh, Facebook profile actually is and <laughs> this kind of thing. Yeah,
1: which is which is which is a ridiculous exercise. Your Facebook f- profile is not accurate. It's not. <laughs> it's not private. One way or the other, I can get it.
0: <laughs> now, one thing I found really fascinating, and I didn't actually know about it until I heard your your uh, talk for hope was. Um, uh, the CNET incident with Google. I was wondering if you could talk about that.
1: Oh, that was hilarious. I mean, that just gives you an idea of how, of how arrogant their attitude is. You know, CNET, a uh, very intelligent uh, woman by the name of Eleanor Mills, who I subsequently met and she wrote an article about me. Um, and, and she was in the audience the first time I, I brought it up. And she came up to me afterwards and said, thanks for mentioning that. That was me. Um, she went to, to interview uh, the Google information officer, I think it was, or the Google president, I forget which, but some high-ranking Googleite. And uh, before she went in there, she just Googled the guy and came up with all sorts of remarkable stuff on him. And she, towards the middle of the interview, she started asking about privacy, and she said, well, by the way, I Googled you, and here's all the stuff I came up with. And the guy went berserk. He popped out of his chair like he was on fire and started yelling, and he threw her out of the office and banned all CNET interviews for a year.
0: It's insane, uh, you
1: know, which I think is, is just, you know, A, bad corporate training, and B, quite telling.
0: Yeah, it's worrying. <laughs> it's worrying that they yeah. are.
1: Yeah, and, and probably because he knows what Google actually does gather and thought she might have gotten some of that.
0: Mm. Now, I mean, one thing, I mean, we'll probably come back onto this a bit later, is a lot of because we interview in the past we've interviewed uh conspiracy theorists and we get you know because we cause, because we look at the counterculture and underground culture i suppose um we tend to attract that kind of mindset what well
1: okay <laughs> I, I i i only believe in the conspiracies i've personally verified
0: yeah exactly uh, I mean, a lot of people wonder why companies like google and um apple and facebook and these people what you know why they gather all this information to me personally it seems like just a you know a It's not not a conspiracy. No, it's just capitalism. It's
1: quite quite easily discernible what it is. It's simple capitalism. Look, let me give you you a marketing 101 or perhaps even a lower number. But let me (laughs) give you a basic marketing uh, tutorial here in 60 seconds or less. Mm -hmm. I have a product. The typical name for generic product is a widget. I am manufacturing widgets and I desire to sell them. I can either get a list of people who I know nothing about and market to all of them, which will cost me a small fortune, even if it's on the Internet. If it's on the Internet, by the way, it's known as spam. Mm-hmm. But um, I can I can send letters or send unsolicited, annoying emails to millions of people that I know nothing about. Or I can go to someone like Google or Apple or, by the way, any one of a dozen remarkable uh, Targeted marketing, precision targeted marketing companies that, that you and the public have never heard about, like Info USA and other amazing companies that know everything about you already, hmm. that are on a par with Google and Apple or ahead of the moon. Um, I can go to one of those companies and say, okay, um, I have this, this uh, item. I believe that 65 year old Chinese grandmothers in the Midwest who limp on their left leg would be especially interested in this. And they will give me a list of a 1,000 Chinese grandmothers in the Midwest uh, who are 65 years old or older and limp on their left leg. Hmm. And therefore, A, I sell quicker, I sell smarter, I sell cheaper, and I don't piss off the whole world and and give myself a bad name. Hmm. This is a basic engine of capitalism. Yeah your eyeballs and your personal characteristics your soul a window into your soul is worth money and that's what this is all about you know you mentioned apple and apple is another amazing privacy invading story mm. let's let's talk about let's talk about the iphone for a second mm-hmm. apple is a brilliant truly brilliant Hardware designer. I mean, Apple overnight wiped out all of the, all of the, eSlate and iRex and Pad companies out there, and it's going to get the iPad is going to get better and better and smarter and smarter and and more, you know, useful and. All of the, you know, superlatives you can imagine will eventually be attached to it. Overnight, they grab the entire market, and I believe they're selling $3 million a month. They are hardware gods. Mm-hmm. So, let's look at the iPhone. Why can't you change the battery in the iPhone? <laughs> Why can't you take out the damn battery? Because... Yeah, and by the way, and by the way, why can't you change the battery in a hardware device that has the most miserable battery life on the planet? <laughs> yeah.
0: Tell me about it. You well,
1: iPhone well, iPhone? yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't have an iPhone, and that's one of the reasons. The other is I'm an old guy and I like a physical keyboard. Mm-hmm. I'm not that old, actually. I'm only a few years older than you, but I like my physical keyboard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why can't you take out the battery? Because then you could turn it off. (laughs) That's right. Give the man a QB doll. That is correct. If you can turn off the iPhone, it doesn't track you. It doesn't know where you are. It doesn't know what you're doing. It doesn't follow your push and pull and communication and constant walking around and visiting places and doing things. It is no hardware flaw as far as they're concerned is a hardware essential Hmm. and 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 by the way i consider that pretty damn sinister Hmm. but apparently the hundreds of millions of people who have iphones you know, at least slightly disagree with me.
0: I have an iPhone, but I tend to turn off the GPS, but obviously I'm fairly convinced. But you
1: can. Yeah, (laughs)
2: that's what I thought. Everything
1: on your iPhone that can be turned off can be turned on remotely. Mm. And I can tell you that I worked on a couple of criminal cases in the past few years where law enforcement bugged people through their iPhones and tracked people through their iPhones. That's I am. <laughs> Everything that is on your iPhone can be remotely turned on, either with the onboard uh, programs that are there when you buy it or by getting you to download something one way or the other and putting it on your iPhone without you knowing it, which I have to tell you is just painfully easy to do.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: That's worrying, and also there's another uh, bit of technology called Skyhook, isn't there? That's um, similar to GPS. It just uses the Wi-Fi. Points, well,
1: let me let me let me let me tell you let me tell you what you're talking about. You're talking about a product, uh, which, by the way, is always part of my lectures, mm. or as I call it, Skynet,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Skynet Wireless. <laughs> what they've done is a really remarkable thing. They've gone all over America, all over Canada. They're doing Europe right now. They've pretty well. Finished up with uh, with uh, uh, the UK, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what they've done is they've gone around with their Wi-Fi grabbing trucks, and they have mapped tens of millions, actually close to to hundreds of millions, of Wi-Fi notes. If your iPhone is in a GPS difficult area, meaning I can't really map your location by by GPS. I can, I can locate it because I know that you are two bars away from IP wireless address 123.456.78.90, and you are four bars away from this and whatever. I can triangulate away from you because I know where these nodes are. And by the way, when these nodes move, I know that because I see the resolving IP address on the broadband connection. If you move from, uh, I don't know, I'm going to just pull up to English cities, if you move from London to Manchester and you take your router with you uh, and you plug it in, I now know where that router is and my system analyzes that, it is self-healing. Hmm. It is self-healing instantly. Um, the original iPhone, by the way, did not have GPS.
0: No, it was Skyhook only. It it, it was
1: Skyhook 100%. Now, occasionally it would be really silly. You'd be driving across a bridge and it would show you, you know, 10 yards to the east in the water. But, but, you know, for the purposes of tracking you and invading your privacy and knowing everything you do and everywhere you go, good enough.
2: Mm.
1: Now, if you match that with GPS, um, you know, if I am the operator of a Predator drone, I can shoot a Hellfire missile up your butt. (laughs) Uh, No problem. I won't miss. I can send it in the right window, uh, have it make a left turn at your dining room table, and find you sitting at your computer. Which, by the way, is how the U.S. and Israel, and the U.K., for that matter, and all the countries that still are courageous enough to fight the bad guys, that's how they locate a lot of them. Mm. Um, Right now, the Taliban, in the areas that they control... In Afghanistan, at night, so their uh, so their fighters, I mean their terrorists, can can wander around without fear and get a good night's sleep. They actually switch off the cell phone network in those areas.
0: Yeah, that makes sense as a kind of precautionary measure, I suppose.
1: Yeah, in case in case Ahmed, who's on the ten most wanted list, you know, forgets basic security precautions and calls up Fatima for a late night chat, yeah. you know
0: yeah, I mean, One thing that's interesting to me is the um, I think you make the example as well actually in your lecture but something I've read in sort of academic texts as well is how um, the internet, like you say, with Google and the way they gather data via the computer, that's kind of a map of your kind of your life in some ways. Whereas the cell phone becomes a—it's uh, you, isn't it? It's essentially, it's you know. You've... Well,
1: first of all, a cell phone is tied to one specific person. Mm. It is a privacy invader slash precision target marketers' greatest fantasy. You know, they ten years ago they never fantasized about something like a smartphone. Today, you are owned by that smartphone. They know your name, your address, your phone, uh, your family, your friends, your likes, your dislikes, your religion, your politics, your habits, your hobbies, your constant whereabouts. Everything about you can be discerned from your from your cell phone. Everything.
0: Yeah. And I think one what of the interesting... And, things it's, like... and it's
1: you. And it's you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's for you. <laughs>
1: Again. Well, and it's also, frankly, unavoidable if you want convenience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, because I know all these things, because I'm an investigator, because I specialize in missing persons and fugitives and tracking people down, um, you know, everything from – I used to be a war crimes investigator. I tracked down Nazi war criminals. I, I do a lot of cold cases. I do a lot of international cases because I know what I have used. mm as the basis for an investigation you know i cringe sometimes when i make a call or use a browser on my on my smartphone or send email from my smartphone or tweet from my smartphone the the damn problem is it is sometimes unavoidable Hmm. you can't live in the stone ages you just can't do it yes if you want to be productive if you want to have a happier more productive, more fulfilling life. You've got to avail yourself of these things, you know, and God help us. We're all screwed. <laughs> I'm only marginally less screwed than you, yeah. but I'm, I'm still screwed. And if I'm screwed, you are screwed to the max.
0: Why do you think it is though, that we've all become so kind of cavalier about privacy? I mean, it, it... And
1: that's, that's the secret. Mm. That's the secret. Privacy is not dead. Privacy has either committed suicide or we've killed it. Uh, You know, it didn't die somewhere out of reach secretly. All of this information is self-contributed. Nobody's forcing you Hmm. to use Gmail. It's just the best product out there. Nobody's forcing you to use Android. Uh, It's just a remarkable product. And and with the new and with the new Android programming uh, uh, language, that right now it does suck, but it's going to get better and better, and it's going to become HyperCard for cell phones. I think, Hmm. Um, you know, when people are able to program for their own cell phones on Android, that's it. You know, and and by the way, after you use these products for a while, that's it. You're you're screwed forever. Think about what you would have to do to stop using Google, to stop using Gmail, to give up your Google voice number, to to entirely divest yourself of every Google product, it would be a nightmare.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it would be actually for calendars. Yeah, yeah, for,
1: yeah, for the vast majority of the people. Mm. I mean, everybody communicates with you on your Gmail address. It's programmed into your phone. It's synced. You've got Google calendars and Google contacts and, and everything. I mean, it's really... Like the 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 thug in the schoolyard that calls over a twelve-year-old kid and says, "Here, kid, try this," mm. and 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 he takes his first hit off of a crack pipe, and second hit and third hit. Three weeks later, the guy's stealing his mother's, uh, you know, robbing his mother's purse to pay for crack. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where everybody is with Google right now.
0: Mm. Yeah, it definitely seems like that. <laughs> and one thing I was going to is there? Do you think are we past the point of being able to opt out of all this now? I mean, is this, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely, for the average person, yes. I mean, I have email addresses and web servers and whatnot that I use for individual cases hmm. or 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 private communication. Um, you know, I've got I've got a a web domain name. Hosted on a separate server that I only communicate with my closest friends.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've got my. I can assure you that my home address and my home landline number appears nowhere.
2: Mm.
1: And, and by the way, I rent my apartment, and I and I uh, rent, pay for my utilities under the name of a dead person. Mm. Uh, now, by the way, I don't do that because i 'm necessarily paranoid or i 'm a privacy nut, in my case, keeping my physical location secret is is actually fairly essential i 've had people arrested for for plotting my demise. Hmm. Uh, there have actually been people put on trial for my attempted murder because of some cases i 've done so in my case it 's not paranoia. Um, I will tell you though that even if i didn 't have these legitimate requirements, i 'd probably do it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but uh, you know that's an extreme that most people don't want to go to, don't want to deal with, <clears throat> are not in a position to do, and they definitely don't want to spend all that money.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting.
1: So I mean, and by the way, we haven't even gone into financial issues or license plate readers or facial recognition or all of the other things. Mm. I mean, the UK is either the worst or the best with these things, depending on your point of view. Although China is very, very, very quickly passing Hmm. the UK. China will have 7 million uh, personal surveillance cameras, not, not including all of the cameras and private hands that are required to report to the private security bureau, they will have 7 million plus about another 4 million by the end of this year. Mm. They will have 300,000 in Shanghai alone. Yeah. I'm told.
2: It's scary.
0: I remember when I was doing my uh, master's degree, that um, one of the statistics that really used to worry me was that I think you, the UK alone had 25% of the world's CCTV cameras, which is a, not,
1: not uh, anymore, not anymore. no, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> no. But it's gone, it's gone in, in just greater London, it's gone from less than 100 uh, in the late 60s to 4.2 million and now. Uh, you know, this is the, these are all of these things that we're talking about. You need to understand these are genies you can't put back in the bottle.
2: Mm, yeah,
1: Nobody's going to give this stuff up. Nobody's going to legislate them out of existence. And people are not going to give up the convenience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And people just don't care.
0: You know, you, you often see these agencies uh, mentioned sometimes in the media or you see websites online, and they offer the uh, service of making you, quote-unquote, disappear. Yeah, um, that's crap. Yeah, I was going to say, is that actually possible? Yeah.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, maybe for your next podcast, you try to use one and I'll come after you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring up the Rick Dacken. I, I mean, it? uh,
1: frankly, it'll be great, great free advertising for me. <laughs> yeah. that was a guy... I, I, I've got to tell you, it's ridiculous. Hmm. It's ridiculous. Now, let me tell you, I did a, a book, which is only not out at this point in time, because I have to finish up my end, hmm. through not, not through any fault of my co-writer, Rick Dakin. Mm-hmm. There's a book coming out, hopefully, within the next uh, six to ten months, called Stealing Your Own, Your Own Identity, which I hmm. did with Rick Dakin, and for a year, he tried to hide. And I mean, he really tried to hide. Hmm. False identity, renting apartments with cash, dropped cell phones, and I tried to find him. Now, at the end of the exercise, and by the way, here was the deal. The deal was if he could stay hidden for 60 days, he would win. Yes. If I could find him 10 times, I would win. Uh And this was before the Obama election. And the deal was that if he won, I had to vote straight Democrat. And if I won, he had to vote straight Republican. I think if either of us had actually lost, there would have been a suicide involved. <laughs> um, because he's rather left-wing and I'm rather right-wing, even though we're, we're good friends. Um, we gave up after nine. We didn't take it to the ten. Because the last time that he tried to hide, it cost him about $15,000. And it cost me close to $20,000 to find him. Hmm. Uh, Nobody is unfindable. If you give me a substantial enough budget, I will find anyone. I don't really care who they are. Um, I don't care how hard they're trying to hide. I don't care how good their false identity is. They will make some mistake. They will do something. And Thanks to computers, it's easier to find that information now. I mean, Rick and I gave up at the very end, but one time I found them through credit card usage, another time I found them through cell phone pinging, another time I found them through IP address, I scammed them into uh, communicating with a trap IP address. I mean, it was all high-tech stuff. Hmm. And and I've got to tell you, that was two and a half years ago. It's even better or worse, depending on your point of view now.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh... You
1: cannot hide. No. You can't hide. And by the way, for the period of time that you do successfully hide, you will have a miserable, lonely, unproductive life.
0: Yeah, because no, no one can take pictures of you, I suppose, these days. Well, <laughs> no, well you, can't, no.
1: you, you can't communicate with your friends and family, mm. not in a truly normal, interactive way. You can't uh, have a normal job. You can't partake in any of your usual hobbies. You can't email in any truly productive, normal way. You can't browse. You can't do anything. You can't even be out and about if the authorities are looking for you because facial recognition will grab you.
2: Hmm. <laughs> you've got
1: to pay with every, everything with cash. You've got to wear a very large hat <laughs> for the cameras. You can't drive a vehicle, at least not one in your name, or that you've rented normally. You can't bank. You can't do anything on the internet. You can't use a cell phone properly. I mean, you are you are completely and constantly screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it's, I mean, I think the thing that really struck me the most about this whole conversation, I suppose, is that it, it's just, yeah, like you say, it's just too late now, isn't it? There is no way of backing out of this kind of uh, almost surveillance society, I suppose. To use and a cliche, once
1: mm-hmm. you post that information. Mm. It's it's gone forever. Mm. Once I know what your politics are, what your sexual preferences are, who your friends are, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you've gone to school, uh, where you hang out, what your hobbies are, your likes and dislikes, what you read, what music you listen to. Once you've posted that, it's gone. Mm. It's been it's been cached. And buffered and grabbed and sucked down by a hundred different sources, not the least of which, by the way, is 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 governmental agencies. Mm.
0: Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, I was going to say we I, I, uh, we've pretty much hit our limit of time now. I think because uh, we don't want to keep you for too long. But um, wh- one thing I wanted to talk to you about was you said you run a service called People Finder, and I think a couple of others. Could you talk a little bit about uh, those services?
2: Well. Uh,
1: I'm I'm lucky in that I came into private investigation before there was an internet.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, my first computer was the original the original Mac, which ran off of a 128k floppy disk. Um, you know, none of these things were even fantasies when I started. Hmm. So so when the ability to develop databases and buy databases and have cross-reference databases started to, to emerge. A light bulb went off over my head and I said, you know, this would be great if, for example, in New York where I have an office, if I had all the New York driving licenses, all the New York voter registration records, all the New York vehicle registration records, all the New York phone numbers, all the New York property records, everything, right in my office and cross-referenced with names and addresses and phone numbers. I can, in the United States, for example, plug in your phone number and pull up your name, your address, your date of birth, your social security number, what property you own, your Facebook profile, your MySpace profile, your Twitter feeds, all of that just from inputting a phone number. Mm. Before I go out and investigate you, I, I know what in the past would have taken me a week to do as a preliminary investigation. I get it in five minutes. Now, now mind you, that is not the primary part of my business, but it is a big and important part of my business.
2: Mm.
1: And, and it is not available to the general public. It's available to law enforcement and investigators only
0: yeah that's interesting and so I mean you do actually
2: do you
1: our, our regular website by the way for your listeners is at polorium.com. that's p as in peter a double l o r i u m dot com
0: yeah and then um, you can be hired as an investigator through that website I, I believe
1: well yeah I mean we don't take a lot of the traditional type of cases we won't follow your wife for you <laughs> we really don't care who your wife is sleeping with and uh you know, let me tell you, save a lot of your money if you think your wife is sleeping around. she is. Um, so save your money. Uh, we do do a lot of sophisticated financial fraud investigation. If you've been the victim of a fraudster, we are the primary agency out there, uh, finding missing persons, especially hardcore fugitives, hardcore locates of witnesses, you know, a lot of traditional missing person stuff. We do that also.
0: Brilliant. Well Steve, thanks a lot for coming on the show. This has been both uh interesting and frightening.
1: <laughs> Sorry about that and glad to have uh helped. Thanks a lot. Right. Heroes
0: with me, Dan Tank. My hero. number 22. And uh, in honor of uh, this non-special number, we have uh, Enrae Cylindic with Willow, Meadow Blaster with Brown Sprite, and Copies Halifax with MMD 007-6. Okay, and we're back and that was actually probably my favorite of the myspace heroes that daddy tank does for us um and uh, this yes that is the same daddy tank i was talking about earlier who has uh, started his own record label which you can uh, get to via sittingnow.co.uk or daddytank.co.uk um anyway on to the interview what an amazing interview i really really enjoyed having steve on the show um he's such a uh, well-informed person when it comes to privacy and uh, yeah it was both kind of uh, slightly depressing yet uh, very informative and interesting <laughs> uh i d- don't go out and smash your your google phones quite yet but you know maybe think about it <laughs> yeah so thanks again to steve um for uh, giving us some of his time um so yeah if you want to get in contact with me my email address is ken at sittingnow.co.uk um the website is sittingnow.co.uk obviously uh, myspace forward slash sitting now and uh yeah hopefully we'll be back a bit sooner because my cat's become a little bit easier to manage <laughs> but you might hear him in the background he, did, he was uh, complaining throughout the recording of this intro and intro so uh but yeah we'll see you next time and uh yeah see you then